like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of John. And for our scripture text, we'll be reading John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Our brother Dean will now bring us this morning's message, The Appointment. Let's pray before we begin. Our loving Lord, help us today to see Jesus. Help us to see Jesus and his salvation. May the speaker fade into nothingness as we open God's word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I have three titles. The first is the appointment. The next is the burdened woman, and then she met Jesus. And thirdly, water that is eternal from the throne of God. We remember that Jesus on the cross, when the centurion put a spear through his side, out came blood and water. That's not a physiologic thing you can understand doesn't make too much sense but yet it happened to Jesus water that was a symbol I think of the living water from the throne of God you know we have a song we love to sing shall we gather at the river but we have one thing wrong in that song it says the water flows by the throne of God revelation tells us it comes from the throne of God so when I sing that song, I always change the words to fit Revelation. Throughout the Bible, um, the subject of water is rather important. In Genesis, we have Genesis 2, 9, talking about the tree of life. The very next verse talks about a river that flowed through the Garden of Eden. And I believe that was to at least partially water for the tree of life. The tree of life, you know, if we remember, the Bible says if, you, if Adam and Eve, after they sinned, had eaten of it, we would have had eternal sinners. So there's something special about that tree of life. Um, in Exodus, we find the story of the children of Israel leaving Egypt. Have you ever imagined being in that throng of over a million people? All your gear, your sandals, your bedding, whatever they had for that, tents, all the animals, over a million people leaving Egypt. Think of the noise. Think of the, the confusion of that event. They went out in the desert. A few days later, they were in trouble because the Egyptians were coming on their heels and they could see the clouds of the chariots coming after them and they knew what that meant. They were to be destroyed. In front of them was the river and the sea and God had something special he did with water on that day. Moses held his rod over the water and all of a sudden the water divided and walled up on each side. Can you imagine such a thing? Can you imagine being there in that scene, being with those people? And they went over on dry land. And then God had another surprise for the Egyptians who were trying to kill his people. When they got in the middle of that river, the water came in and destroyed them all. Interesting, interesting. Water was involved. Then we have the story of 
After they had gone a few days' journey and were at the middle of the desert, remember over a million people, they were thirsty. Where are you going to get water? In the middle of the desert, Mount Sinai, in, in Sinai. Well, God had, a, God had a surprise again, one of God's surprises. And <laughs> there was a big rock there. God told Moses, now you go over and you speak to that rock, Moses. It's in Numbers. You speak to the rock, and out of it will flow water, living water. See, there's two levels here. There was earthly water, but it was also a replica of the heavenly water. And the rock, what did the rock represent? It represented Jesus Christ. And Moses, oh Moses, you didn't really obey God. God honored you anyway because Moses went over and struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And out flowed this water. Water for their earthly lives to keep them alive. A million people, water and all their beasts, goats and animals and camels, whatever they had water to keep them them alive. There was another time in history when the when the uh, we come to, to Matthew and Jesus was coming to the river Jordan and John was baptizing there and forever after the Christian church has believed in baptism going down in the water going down in the water to represent a new life to being born again. It's a symbol living water. We have water again in scripture in Luke, Luke 8, where Jesus and the disciples started out on a boat going across the Lake Galilee in the middle of the boat, middle of the river. There's a terrible storm come up and they were about to die, they thought. Jesus had a surprise again about water, held up his hands and he said, peace be still. And immediately the waves obeyed him. And the disciples, they said, Oh, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Amazing story of water. One night at midnight, a ruler of the Jews came to Jesus midnight hour. Why did he come at midnight? Because he was afraid to come in the daytime because he was of the Sanhedrin. He had to make it secret. Came to Jesus by night. An interesting dialogue occurred. Jesus talking to him about he must be born again and one of the most silly statements in the whole Bible. Lord, how can a man go into his mother's womb and be born again? Here's the theologian of the time saying something as silly as that. And Jesus had to say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And then he said, if you're not born of water and the Spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God. Water. Then the ultimate in the Bible. Now the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart from this world, the Father having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And the supper being ended... And the verse goes on to talk about Jesus rising from the supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. The disciples sat there with their mouths open. What is happening here? Here's the Messiah going to do something we didn't, never would have thought he would do. 
went over to the corner, got a basin of water, and knelt down before each disciple and washed his feet with water. Then, of course, Peter had to come on the scene. And Peter said, oh, not my feet, Lord. Wash me all over, just all over, everything. Get a, give me a bath, Lord. Jesus had to tenderly say, Peter, it's okay. You don't need the bath. If I wash your feet, that's all it's need. It was a symbol of renewed, renewed acceptance of Jesus' righteousness. So today we start on our story, the appointment, subtitled The Woman Who Was Very Burdened, and Then She Met Jesus. The morning she awoke, she had no idea what was about to change her life on that day so completely. And Jesus was on a walking trip at the same time from Judea to Galilee. But he never arrived in Galilee that day because he had a divine appointment. This appointment should never have happened according to the custom of the day. For you see, the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. Many Bibles Stories such as this have many levels, the superficial level, and then there's the deeper level. Let's first read in John, but before that, have you ever climbed a mountain, gotten to the top, and you're ragingly thirsty, and then you find some cool water? Have you ever been in a desert in the noonday sun, been walking, and then you find cool, clear water? The Bible is like that, inviting us to drink deep from its cisterns of truth and salvation. So let's read then John 4, and then we'll go back and we will unpack it a bit, if you will. He left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Remember that phrase, he must needs go through Samaria. We'll come back to that. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me? which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She had to remind Jesus of that. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me a drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? We're coming to two levels here again. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to, to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. 
The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus immediately said, Thou hast said well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Now she had to change the subject rather quickly here. Our fathers worshipped in the mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. Ye know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. And the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. For God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Now we have the amazing words. The first time Jesus said this to anyone in his ministry. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with this woman. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know nothing of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him something to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, There are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look unto the fields, for they are white already to the harvest. And he that reapeth receives wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. So the morning she awoke, she had no idea that she was about to change her life so completely. And Jesus was on, as we said, this walking trip from Judea to Galilee. But he never arrived at his destination because God had arranged a divine appointment. Back to our main story from John 4. We will try to unpack this. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Then come these amazing words, and he must needs go through Samaria. The truth is, he did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, the Jews usually did not go through Samaria on that route. It was shorter to go by missing Samaria. But the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. I've looked this up in about eight versions of the Bible. They all say basically the same thing. He must needs go through Samaria. This is so interesting because he did not have to go through that way to Galilee. In fact, the Jews of that day did not go into Samaria at all. The Jews and the Samaritans were enemies. They hated each other. The Jews felt that if they had anything to do with the Samaritans, they were contaminated. In fact, if a Samaritan had drank from a glass, the Jews would not touch it. Or if they'd eaten from a plate that a Samaritan had touched, they wouldn't use it. It was that bad. This situation went way back in history to the time of the kingdoms that were divided, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. 
Uh, furthermore, the Samaritans only believed in the first five books of the Bible. That was the only Bible that they agreed was the real Bible. They threw out Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the minor prophets, the Psalms, and all the rest of the Old Testament. Rather a bizarre belief. And that's where the Jews and Samaritans were at sword points. So Jesus, a Jew, the Bible says, must needs go through Samaria. The disciples were amazed. You see, this coming event was known to Jesus of what was about to happen. It was not an earthly thing. It was a God thing. It was a divine appointment. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Amazing. Jesus, being wearied from his journey, sat thus on the well, reminding us Jesus was altogether divine and altogether human. And it was about the sixth hour, meaning it was 12 noon. This takes us back to the book of Genesis, the time of Jacob and Joseph. This well was still putting forth clear, cold water some 3,000 years later. Perhaps God ordained it such. So this a divine appointment we're talking about would occur that day. Jesus was tired and exhausted from his, his journey. By the way, if you pray in the morning that God will bring somebody across your pathway, he will do so. I've tried it, and it works. Jesus was awaiting his divine appointment. He knew what was about to happen. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me a drink. For the disciples were gone away into the city to buy food. This was part of the divine appointment. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, askest me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. This divine appointment is very interesting from many viewpoints. Just as Nicodemus did, he came at midnight when nobody would see him. This woman came at noontime, which was not the custom of that day. The men did not come to the well to carry water. That was the woman's job. And they came in the morning, early morning, before the heat of the day. So this woman had had a past, and she didn't like to be the company of the other women of the city. Now we'll continue one of the great dialogues between two people in all of the Bible. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that saith unto you, Give me a drink, you would have asked me of water, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? We're beginning to see two levels here, aren't we? The earthly level and the eternal level. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his cattle? This is getting good. The woman is really intrigued with this stranger. He is saying things that seem to be like truths that are tugging at her heartstrings. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. Two layers, two levels of thought coming here. The earthly and the spiritual. 
This burdened woman thought she only had the first five books of the Bible to find the living water he was talking about, when in truth she had the entire Old Testament. What about us? We have the entire Bible. Do we dive into it daily to find this eternal water? Are we daily diving into its depths in the cisterns of the Bible? Now this woman is really serious. She says, the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus' purpose was to get her attention. Well, now he really had her full attention. Saying, and the conversation is about to become very personal and very scary for her. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. <laughs> the woman answered and said, I have no husband. She is about to hear something she did not want to hear. Jesus said to her, you well said you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. She had met this stranger who somehow knew all her personal secrets. How can this be, she thought. So the only thing left to do was abruptly change the conversation. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. You see, the Samaritans worshipped at Mount Gerizim, which you could see from that side of Jacob's well in, in the distance. That's what they thought was the holy mountain. And the Jews, of course, considered Jerusalem the place of holy worship. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when we shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Then he goes on to say, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman then said, I know the Messiah will come someday, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus then said unto her, I that speak unto you am he. And upon this his disciples came back upon this scene. The woman then left her water pot and went into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? They went into the city and came unto him. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime, his disciples asked the Jesus, Master, eat, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore the disciples, one to another, said, Well, did somebody else bring him something to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My food is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. At that moment in time, Jesus and the disciples could see people coming from the city of Sychar to Jacob's well. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. 
First they believed because of the woman's testimony. Then they believed in a more deep way, second level, because of what they heard from Jesus' own lips. And he said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So what has this story told us about our day? The Lord God, the creator of all, the one who has made, who was in charge of this entire universe, came to this earth to save his created ones. Three years of ministry, healing and teaching, and just talking, taking time to talk to burdened, guilty people. This day he had a divine appointment, and he took time to talk with a guilty, burdened woman. And this woman became one of the world's greatest evangelists of all time, bringing people to the Lord. Next to the Bible, I have a favorite author. The author wrote these words. A Bunyan and a Newton may be redeemed from among men today through human agents who cooperate with the divine. Many a poor person will be reclaimed and in his turn will seek to restore the image of God in man. They will be accounted the chosen of God, elect precious, and when Christ shall come again, they will stand next to his throne. Does that give you any emphasis to share your faith? Everyone we meet is a potential candidate for God's kingdom. No matter what they look like, no matter what they're saying, they're a potential candidate for God's kingdom. Do you ever wonder and ask yourself, is it real that one day I can be in heaven in that heavenly country, let's read Revelation 7, 9 if you think your chance is shaky. After this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, and people, and tongues with palms in their hands saying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb, Revelation 7, 9, and 10, a great multitude. O oh Lord, I have a chance. Don't you treasure the thought of seeing Jesus face to face? And suddenly, as you go through the gates of the New Jerusalem, there right before you is the tree of life, towering above you with all manner of fruit, do not you long to look out over the sea of glass mingled with fire? Does not your heart burn within you as those disciples of old on the old road to Emmaus? Does not your heart burn as you open the Bible, just aching and wanting to learn more about salvation? Do not you want to fall down at Jesus' feet, thank him for what he's done for you? And to hear his welcoming call, welcome home children, you're safe forevermore. Can we really understand forever? Have you pondered that? Forever and ever and forever and ever. To be with the loved ones who've gone on before. 
The world seems suddenly so unimportant with our trials here. As we think of the heavenly country wherein there is no pain or tears, do not you long to look on the face of Jesus and God himself? Go up to Jesus and say with tears of joy, you did it for me. You did it for me. And he saith unto me, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Revelation 19.9 And he saith unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water, of life, freely. Don't forget the freely. Revelation 22.11, 22.1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And then Revelation 22.17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whoever will, let him take. What's the next words? Let him take the water of life freely. Let's pray. Eternal Father, we're thankful for the Bible. All of those people through the ages that have risked their lives and died for this Bible. Oh Lord. Help us to treasure the Bible. Help us to treasure it so much we want to share it with everyone we meet. So that in that glad day, when you call the redeemed ones home and announce the marriage supper of the Lamb, that we can be there with people that we've shared the gospel with. And as we leave this place, let us remember again, we are entering the mission field. In Jesus' name, amen.